busted at you for putting the Mint City edition uniforms in the fizzle category. Yeah, I just never liked them. I mean, what can I say? Brian wrote in, burned the whole segment down. Ain't no way that the Mint and Black Buzz Cities are fizzle. NASCAR Brad, I would expect no different. Give me all the NASCAR jerseys, LOL. I think you can have them. I think most people are going to be willing to sell those to you. Yeah, he he should have a small collection of those. I would think so with his name being NASCAR Brad. It's very fitting. We were talking about the uniforms and how the Hornets have seldom missed mm-hmm. on uni combos. You didn't like the Men City, even though most people did. There hasn't been a ton for the Hornets that have been big misses. What about the gradient honeycomb going into the shorts? That was the one right after the first Men City launched. I didn't like those. Those were always ones that grew on me. I didn't hate what them. What year did they wear though? What was it was the year after so it would have been 21-22, the year okay. after the first Mint City editions. And then they went back to the Mint except with the black variation which looked very cool as well. Mm-hmm. Just not as much of the uh the People mint weren't color. a huge fan of the City edition that came out the 75th anniversary year 2 years ago. People which, weren't that thrilled. I loved them. Which one was that one? That was it was these. Okay. The ones uh, the big that's the great. Right that's there. what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I like gradient, those a lot. I so have the shorts and the jerseys. That's the one. So the, the the honeycomb, it like fades into the pinstripes, yeah. and then it comes back at the bottom of the shorts. It's quite busy. It, it is busy, but I thought it, it, it grew on me, like I said. Now, the Bobcats jerseys, pinstripes are good. I like the pinstripes overall. Um, made them look a little slow. Like, it was just, that's just how it was with me. Looked a little heavy. Yeah. Maybe I'm just thinking about that jersey being on Boris Diaw. <laughs> Maybe that is nightmares. Could, PTSD. Could be that effect, but I like the pinstripes okay. I didn't mind the big old cats on the front of the jersey. But those the weren't mat, bad. Those weren't bad, but when you're going to the original, like the Mecca Okafor style Bobcats jerseys with the orange, those I didn't love nearly as much. Um, Yeah, the all orange, I mean, I'm a big fan of most things that are predominantly orange, so I didn't think they were terrible, but they weren't, you know, I guess I was just kind of indifferent on yeah, same thing. I think that's probably that probably yeah, described like, yeah, a, mid. Probably described a little uh, about, excuse me, what a lot of people thought about the Bobcats. Just yeah. indifferent, yeah. apathetic, as we yeah. went to earlier in the show. <laughs> oh yeah, and Trash Man, he wrote in all the CHA unis were awful. They were trash. People could not stand the cha 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 ones. Cha cha cha. I never knew people called them that. Oh well, maybe, maybe it just is me. But a lot of people just said cha. It's not. It's C L T. I always thought it should have been that as well. Now the problem is, yeah, when the national audience got a hold of <laughs> the Hornets putting C L T, and then up. you run those close together. Oh, man, people had a field day with what that sounds like when you just run CLT together. But that's the abbreviation. That's what we do here in the Queen City. And so it's like the Hornets can't win, man. They put CLT on it. Everybody's making fun of them nationally. You put CHA on it. People are making fun of them locally. That's just how it is. Can't win. Can't win. Uh, Let's continue to talk about the Charlotte Hornets. We certainly hope they can win on the court this year. I hope they win 37 games. So we see Fitty with a bald peanut butter head because yes, of our bet. So I don't have that. to spend a full week's uh, worth of lunch money on him. That is the bet. That's an expensive week. Uh, yeah. And well, we, we put a, a cap. $15 cap, but that's still. But 15, yeah. Right. 50 bucks. Like 15 is still a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's a nice still lunch. 75. Be eating good. Yeah. It's a lot. So. Hopefully they can win. I, I did want to go to an ESPN article that the Zach Lowe dropped on ESPN Plus, and he talks about the five most intriguing NBA players this season. 
You you know who number one on that list is? Who walk enlighten us? It's Lamelo Ball, mm. the number one most intriguing NBA player this season for Zach Lowe, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think he encaptures that within the first paragraph. Two years ago, the debate over the league's best young point guards after Luka Doncic, it focused on Lamelo, focused on Trey Young, focused on John Morant. But after a lost season due to injuries, several younger point guards have vaulted ahead of ball in the discourse. Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox, SGA, Darius Garland, Jalen Brunson. It's a lot of names, Wes. And even if some of those guys aren't as young as LaMelo, we still are talking about like a pre-25, something like that. LaMelo 22, but some kind of pre-25-year-old, 26-year-old, something like that level of point guard we're discussing. This has been the main takeaway for me. The national discourse surrounding Charlotte's star, the national discourse is that they forgot about how good he was. Because you go back two years ago, the guy got an all-star appearance and a legitimate one at that. Here we are discussing them getting into the play-in tournament because they win 43 games. And then we're surprised James Brago gets fired. At least some of us were, right? And Miles Bridges doesn't come back. And it, it all goes horribly wrong in the offseason, at the beginning of the season. LaMelo plays 36 games, and people forgot. So now you have the Bill Simmons of the world, even Zach Lowe on his own podcast, Matt Moore of the Action Network. When they rank LaMelo and discuss where he is in the ranks of the NBA, they're discussing how he's kind of an empty calories guy, how he's an empty stats dude. Got a little ball hoggy this past year because he was the only one when he was out there playing in those 36 games. He was the star. So you might even want him to shoot more than the other players, especially if you don't have fringe all-star Miles Bridges out there on the floor. But this dude was an all-star a couple of years ago. And Wes, we were talking about the exact opposite of him his rookie year. How it's crazy to see a 19-year-old enter the NBA and actually affect winning. Do all the little stuff that allowed NBA teams to win. I think he gets back on track as long as he stays healthy. He's wearing ankle braces. Good for him. Good for us as fans. I do think that he is a good candidate, as Zach Lowe puts it, to go back up into the ranks of the best young point guards in the league. Yeah, I think so. He just has to stay healthy. I mean, you look at it, we talked about it. He started 142 of a possible 246 games in his young career thus far. And so that's the thing, too. People aren't getting to see him enough. When you only play 36 out of 82 games, yeah, you're going to be forgotten. And so they talked about how he's been in the lab with uh, Coach Marlon Garnett and with uh, Coach uh, – oh, Lord. Uh, head coach. Coach, Steve Clifford? Coach Clifford, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they talked about how they've been in the, he's been in the lab with them and, and trying to get his game better. And it's still kind of some of the things that I saw – um, a couple of years ago, just him controlling the tempo of the game. They talked about in that same article how he was the only rotation player league-wide to put up more than 20 shots per 36 minutes and earn fewer than four free throws. And then also him uh, finishing at the rim. They talked about how his attempts from the restricted area have decreased every season and saying that he only finishes at a 54% clip at the rim. And they were saying that that's a very stunning number uh, due to his size. And so that's another part of this deal that you want to see from him is 
him to get better at some of these things because these are still some of the same things that have been plaguing him for uh, basically since he's been in the league. A lot of people feel like he's a little hesitant to really get into the, the, the paint and really get dirty in there and go up and sacrifice his body. And I think maybe his injury history has done something to that. They talked about how he's going to wear the ankle braces this year to keep those more protected, um, going to the Steph Curry School of Injury Prevention. Yep. But uh, just him really controlling the tempo of games, I think, is what's going to take this team to the next level because the last time that this team were whole, you saw that as far as the Hornets being a really potent offensive team, but then when the shots weren't hitting, they didn't play good enough defense to be able to uh, get themselves back in basketball games consistently enough. And a lot of that had to do with LaMelo, if he controls the tempo of the game, slow things down sometimes when teams get on big runs and things of that nature and knowing how to go fast or slow, I think is really the key to his game going to the next level. Yeah, pacing, right? Like just just yeah. figuring out when to turn it on and when to turn it off which I thought would have been there a little bit more so last year. Yeah. But, man, think about the trajectory and, and think about the roller coaster that LaMelo Ball has been on since he entered the NBA. Rookie of the month every single month until he gets hurt. Would have been, I, it, I think there, were, there was one other rookie to go unanimous rookie of the month every single month in their rookie year. LaMelo would have won that had he not gotten injured. Remember, he broke his wrist or hurt his wrist, came back actually unexpectedly, but would have won every single award. One rookie of the year. Talked about how he affects winning. Has an all-star appearance his second season in the league. Deserved it. Remember, in that all-star game, for what it's worth, played really well. Had the fun alley-oop to DeJounte Murray also appearing in that game. And so he gets the national spotlight and actually delivers in the national spotlight. I took that for some meaning. And then here we are going into the third year. Man gets injured in the preseason, in and out of the lineup before finally he's done in by the big ankle injury. It doesn't play another game after the 36th contest that he appears in last year. And he's throwing up a lot of shots. I mean, look, I, LaMelo's a really good uh, shooter. And so I don't want that to be away from his game. But man, you're talking about him shooting as many threes as any other point guard in the league while also having a pretty low free throw rate. So you just want him to be more aggressive. And the thing that doesn't add up for LaMelo is the fact that he is six, seven. I think I was, I know I was walking out of the arena at Hornets media day with Colin. You were going the other way, but we walked right past LaMelo dude is big, man. Like that's a big point guard in the league, even at, even in a league where guys are so skilled all across the board, to have somebody that can see over the top of the defense and make every pass they want to and have the vision to understand what passes they need to make. It's all about decision-making in the pick and roll. And I think that's why Steve Clifford talked about that offensively for him to improve. We know about defense offensively, pick and roll decision-making. That's how you get back on an MVP type of discussion board. We were having that as rookie year. Like, Hey, is this guy as talented to the point where it's not crazy? to see him in a first-team All-NBA discourse. A couple of things you work on, I, I still see that for him, but there's still a decent ways to go. And as he gets older, like you said, he's starting to grow into that man body. I'm sure he's been hitting the weights and working out, uh, maybe going down in that pit that LeVar used to have their man at the house lifting weights. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's like that, that uh, equipment. 
it doesn't look state of the art. Yeah. And yet he's of course charging what it was to get baller brand shoes, five hundred dollars, right, something right. like that. Yeah. So, but you look at the free throw attempts for his career, three point three. I mean, that is horrendous for a six seven point. Yeah, guard. and we know ballers get to the line, man, and that's how you get your game going if it's off track, shooting ten threes a night, and and only forty one percent from the field last year overall. And I shot a nice three-point percentage, man. But you want to see him be more attacking and really make that a part of that offense. It will only make them better. And also, I want to see LaMelo catch a body. That's what I want to see. I want to see Melo going there and bang on somebody. I, so, I don't think he has enough explosion to his game. Really? But there's a couple times. He can time, catch somebody. Well, and he's caught some lobs, like, off the rebound. Yeah. I mean, he can dunk. Every There are people that will catch a body, even if yeah. you're not the most explosive. But that that's the thing about LaMelo, right? Uh, we can compare him to SGA a little bit here. SGA has the herky-jerky movement, not an explosive athlete, but can put you on his hip and is extremely controlled. LaMelo, Zach Lowe referenced literally that skill set here. LaMelo is not one that will put a defender on his hip and do the Steve Nash baseline dribble while amongst the trees. LaMelo doesn't really do that. And I think it's because his length, he's able to get a shot off amongst some of the taller players. But if, if... Sometimes he'll do that at the free throw line, but I think the closer he gets to the basket, he loses that. And and you're right. It's if if he's able to bring that a part of his game, then offensively it's going to be really tough to stop them. Especially when they're already top ten in pace. People were rightfully critical of the Steve Clifford slow pace that he brings to an offense, but they were ninth last year, top ten. Yeah, Clifford showed you he can emphasize the strengths of a LaMelo ball led offense. And that's why, I mean, you could see the stats bear out that way. Well, not only that big walk, that's a mentality yeah. into the basket, going at guys being relentless. We've seen that from all of the great point guards, man. You got to attack the basket, attack those bigs, let them know, you know, they're not going to be able to just hang out and chill and, Try to battle for a rebound, and that's the thing also you want to see from LaMelo and that aspect. Not only is it controlling the tempo of the game, but it brings a mentality, man. When you see your best player going in there, getting knocked on the ground, giving guys you know, that contact when he goes to the basket, that instills a mentality in your team. Because the skill's there, man. I mean, there's a reason. Everything's we were, there. We were talking about could this be his city after the first – he, he hit the league so hard. He did. I mean – just loud he as hell. He owns Twitter when he plays. Yeah. When LaMelo's playing, you can guarantee one to two Melo plays are going to be on your feet. He's only 22. He's got the big boy contract coming his way after this season. It's already agreed to, but it goes into effect after this season. There's still a lot of hope for LaMelo. A lot of hope. We just got to keep him healthy and staying on that court. Let's talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers. How about Glover Quinn, former Lions defensive back? He joins us from the Believe Podcast Network on the other side of the break to give us a breakdown of Carolina's next opponent. It's all coming up next on Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, 
as we come back on the Wessel Walker Show. My favorite song by far on the album. Really? Oh, yeah. And it's the one that I almost was able to get our high school basketball team to go out to do the layup line anthem oh, thing. Oh, very epic. Right and there, no curse words except for one very late, and that's why I wasn't allowed to do it. Just one. <laughs> one damn curse word in there. Yeah, my favorite song on Blueprint 2 was Hobie Baby. But, uh, yeah, this one yeah, was mine. That was my joint. Hobie Baby was very showtimey, layup liney type of stuff. Well, and now I love to go with, wait, which one is it? If I catch you in a moment of hypocrisy, is it Uchi Wally Wally or is it One Mike? That's what I like to ask. Yeah, man. So, listen, the Carolina Panthers taking on the Detroit Lions this weekend. Another chance for the Panthers to try and get their first win against a very formidable opponent in the Detroit Lions. They seem to be following or they seem to be firing on all cylinders. And to help us talk more about that matchup on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, we have former Lions defensive back Glover Quinn, also a host on the Believe Network, joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Glover Quinn Jr. Glover, how's it doing? How you doing? And do you have a favorite song on the Blueprint 2 album <laughs> by Jay-Z? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, man. How y'all doing? We're doing great, uh, man. You know what? I don't have a favorite song. You know, I uh, I actually didn't even grow up a Jay-Z fan. Um I'm a southerner, so I I grew up more of a Lil Wayne, Hot Boys type of type of guy. But in my older age, I've, I I like listening to Jay Z music. I just don't have a favorite song. All right, kind of listen and let it vibe. <laughs> All right, I got you. Ten year career, uh, Glover had in the NFL, and he has 24 career interceptions. And so, Glover, uh, from your days in Detroit to where this franchise is today, just what are your thoughts on the direction that they're currently heading in? And do you feel like that this team is a uh, real contender this year in the NFC? Well, I think, you know, I definitely think that uh, our a contender. You know, I go back to my days in Detroit, and I think this team is right up there where we were um, in 2014. Um, I think we had some good years in my years there with Jim Caldwell. Um, and then the Matt Patricia era kind of brought Detroit back down to where it seemed like they were in the dump. Um, but before Matt Patricia got there, you know, we had went to the playoffs in 2014-2016 season. Um, you know, we had guys offensively, Calvin Johnson, Stafford, Golden Tate, and Reggie Bush, and defensively, you know, Sue, and Barely. And, I mean, we had guys. I mean, we had a top defense in, in 2014 and top offense. And I see some of the same similarities with this team right now. You know, they're defensively. They're playing extremely well offensively. You know, they're playing extremely well right now. They they don't, I would say nationally, they don't have just like a huge name. I know Amon Rossi Brown is a bigger name and Jared, Jared Goff is a bigger name. But I don't think they get the national publicity as obviously, you know, some of your bigger names in the league. But they play really well and they play at a high level. And now they're getting Jamison Williams back off of uh, the suspension this week. So just adding him to the fold of weapons with Sam LaPorter, the first-round tight end they drafted, and Jameer Gibbs. And they like they got a plethora of guys offensively that they can light up the scoreboard 
and defensively, they've been doing a great job stopping the run. And you know, Aiden Hutchinson has been playing well, getting pressure on the pass on the passer. So they've just been playing really good complimentary football. So Glover, you're a former Pro Bowl defender in the NFL, and from your vantage point, what do you see when you look at this Carolina offense? You know, I I see that that you know it's tough is when you got a rookie quarterback that's the first overall pick you have to be able to protect him. And there's different ways that you can protect him. Obviously, the O-line is going to be the biggest one, but also being able to run the ball. We can't expect Bryce Young to be a rookie and, you know, sit back and throw the ball 30 times a game and, and win a lot of those games, especially when he's throwing the ball to no disrespect. He's had a, a great, solid career. But Adam Thielen in this at this juncture in his career is your leading guy. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if Adam Thielen is still a number one receiver. He could be a really good slot guy, possession guy, but to expect him to go out and put up receiver one numbers, I think that's tough. I don't think DJ Chark has ever been that type of guy. I think all those guys are complimentary guys, but you don't have that one big-time wide receiver. You don't have the big-time tight end. You don't have the big-time running back. So where where does, you know, Bryce Young get any protection from? Just being able to hand the ball off and say, we're going to rush for 120 yards, and now we're going to throw in a couple play-action passes and not put so much pressure on Bryce Young. So I just think you know, they got to build some stuff around him, you know, throw up the offensive line, you know, the running game, and, you know, see who they can find or get, draft, whatever, to to get a formidable top wide receiver that, you know, can strike fear in, in somebody's heart. That's the voice of Glover Quinn on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, former Lions defensive back, now host on the Believe Network. Find him on Twitter, by the way, at Glover Quinn 1N Jr. You mentioned Jim Caldwell, how this is a team that reminds you of back in the day when you guys first made the playoffs with Jim Caldwell in 2014. We know that he's a part of this staff right now here, Glover, and we were excited to have him because of what he was able to accomplish, not only with the Colts when he took over for Tony Dungy, but what he was able to do with Detroit a franchise not historically making the postseason very often. He was able to do it twice in just four years worth of time. What was it about Jim Caldwell that allowed him to lead the Lions to the postseason twice? Well, he's just a phenomenal leader. I mean, I think, you know, he 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 had a good slew of talent already uh, when he captured Detroit. If you think about it back back then, Nobody ever questioned whether Detroit had talent, right? They had a slew of first-round picks, you know, from Stafford, Cavan in 07, Stafford in 09. I mean, they had plenty of guys talent-wise, but they always shot themselves in the foot, right? They played undisciplined, you know, didn't play good situation the ball, they had a lot of things going on off the field. You would see them in the news. Because I remember being in Houston, and that was kind of how we felt about them. They got a lot of talented guys, but they're going to find a way to screw it up. They're going to give up a big play some kind of way. They're going to they're gonna do something. 
And I think Coach Caldwell came in and really tried to correct those things. Let's fix the off-the-field stuff. we got to be disciplined off the field. That's going to lead to being disciplined on the field. Big plays. We can't give them up defensively. We have to make them offensively. we got the talent. We just got to steer it in the right direction. So I think he brought that structure, that discipline, that leadership that we needed because we had talent. And, you know, he was able to take a team that was 7-9 and nine in 2013 and go to 10-6 and six in 2014. Hey, so, uh, look, yeah. But sorry, go ahead, Glover. I was about to say, so I think that was one of the biggest things that's coming in and just being a leader and harnessing what we got and just steering it in the right direction instead of coming in trying to feel like I got to turn the whole program around, I got to fire everybody in the, on the team, get a whole new team. No, we got good players. We just got to start playing good football. All right, Glover, you talk about all that talent that Detroit had. You're not lying, of course, with guys like Calvin Johnson and Dominican Sue. I want to know, biggest freak you played with. Like, between those two guys are the ones that come to mind with Sue just having crazy strength. Calvin Johnson is Megatron for a reason. Oh, you could include Matthew Stafford with the arm if you wanted to. I just want to know, what was the most physically awe-inspiring athlete that you played with? I would probably have to say, man, you know, Sue Sue was incredible. You know, Sue was incredible. And as a defensive guy, you know, it's, it's hard for me not to pick him. But some of the things that I saw, you know, Calvin Johnson do, and even Andre Johnson when I was in Houston, like some yeah. of the things I saw those guys doing was just incredible from catching passes across the middle, getting hit and then just bouncing right off of it and running 60, 70-yard touchdowns. Like, just unreal stuff. But then, you know, seeing Sue take on double teams, throw guys out the way, and still get tackled in the backfield, you know, like, and I was a safety, and at that point in my career, I was like, hey, man, I'm tired of tackling these big running backs, too. Like, y'all need to stop, y'all need to stop letting these dudes run down the field. You know what I'm saying? So I would literally go to Sue and be like, bro, I can't feel you out here, man. I can't feel your presence right now. I need to play. And next thing you know, he dominates this whole series. I'm just like, bro, like, we need this every freaking time, man. So, I mean, he was just – those guys are just freakishly talented, man, and strong, big, physical, athletic. They were fun to play with. Yeah, man, Sue is always, like, the captain of my all-back alley team. Like, the scariest guy, just because he was angry, too. Honestly, Glover, I'm a little surprised that you went up to him to try to pep him up. Like, I think, I feel like he might swing on you. It was the kind of scary that Indomitian Sue was. Did you ever get scared of Sue? You know what? I didn't, because <laughs> when I when I signed their free agency, right, Sue was a leader, and they, they brought me in to be a leader, right? And I think from the way that I work, the way that I carry myself, Sue respected me, and I never backed down from Sue. If I had an issue, I went to Sue and just talked about it. I yeah. didn't try to put him on blast in front of the team. I didn't try to put him on blast in front of the coaches. I went to him as a person, as a man, and just talked to him about it. So I think he had respect for me from that standpoint. He, he respected how I worked. He respected how I handled my business. And so... I could go to him in the game and say, hey, man, we need a play from you. Like, we need you right now. 
and he wouldn't take that no no kind of way. So, like I said, I never disrespected him to feel like he would ever swing on me. He knew every time I came to him, it was it was genuine from a you know team standpoint. Of hey man, I, I'm I'm expecting more from you right now. And that was Glover Quinn Jr. joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Glover Quinn Jr. Glover. We appreciate the time, and we'll see how Sunday plays out for us down here in Charlotte. All right, man. Appreciate you guys. All right. Thank you. Got a little bit of uh, expertise from a former Pro Bowl defensive back in Glover Quinn. Did you have any main takeaways from what he said? Well, look, anytime you play with Calvin Johnson and Dominican Sue, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ask you. And Reggie Bush, too. I was like, man, and Golden Tate. Yeah, well, and for sure, those guys. (laughs) Looks like they had. They did. They did have a lot of talent. Just like the physical freak stuff, though, like Sue was on one of the list of the most dominant college football players we've ever seen. We were going down that list, and this was somebody that was mentioned. He was like second in Heisman voting as a defensive tackle, or top five. To this day, the Big 12 championship game he had against Texas is the most dominant performance I've seen defensively in college football. The reason I always put him number one on my all-back alley team, you can't be that big and strong and be that angry. I just don't want that. (laughs) Warren Sapp is somebody that comes to mind as well. Yeah. You know, just an angry, vicious type Sapp of guy. Sapp is like the Joker, too, though. He'll be angry, yeah. but he's like laughing and joking about it, and then he just annihilates. Probably a little scarier. Yeah. You're right. But Indomitian was that guy. And then Calvin is named Megatron. So I honestly thought Glover was going to go Calvin, no questions asked, because he was a DB. And I figured he'd had to cover Calvin Johnson in practice every day, so I thought he might go that route. I thought you were going to ask him for a crazy Calvin Johnson story. Well, we didn't have enough time. I wanted, I, Look, maybe it's just me. I'm more enthralled with just Sue, the individual. Yeah, He's too angry. He's too temperamental. Glover was, I'm, I like the story about how Glover was like, no, he respected me. I could go ask him, hey, we need you to make a play, and he wouldn't swing on me. But maybe that wasn't the case for everybody else. <laughs> I mean, he's not one to be trifled with, and so that's what I wanted to hear. The Calvin stuff, it didn't. he didn't have that kind of anger, right? He was no. just a freak, 4-3, excellent route runner, one of the more physically gifted receivers we've ever seen. But, yeah, either question would have been good. Real thing is... Detroit, he does say they're a contender. Wes, the way the defense is playing, I think that's what gives you a lot of faith. Because it's not like Jared Goff, statistically, we're going to have our Jared Goff debate tomorrow. He is playing well. (laughs) This is no shade to him. It really isn't. He's playing well. It's a little reminiscent to me of Riley Leonard, except a little heavier dose, NFL throwing-wise, right? Where the stats are not mind-blowing. They are Mm -hmm. not saying, hey, Pro Bowl quarterback based off of six touchdown passes, three interceptions. But... Jared Goff is playing really well. Like, I'm not going front on that. And here's a team that is three and one where he is playing well, except you don't need him to have all these crazy stats because they're running the ball well. They're holding on to the football. The defense is limiting the other team's rushing attack. It's it's the other side of the ball that allows you to believe in Detroit a little more, in my opinion. Yeah, and Jared Goff gives them just what they need when they need it. They've got a good running attack. Montgomery is just balling out of control. I mean, maybe uh, Jameer Gibbs will get the ball a little bit this week. I don't know. I mean, I own him in fantasy, and I get tired of starting. I think Lions fans want that, too, whether you have him in fantasy or not. It's like a whole thing on Twitter with that. But uh, with that said, let's go to Shroppy so he can shrop it like it's hot for one last time today. All right, so speaking of the Bears, they are playing tonight against the Washington Commanders. Just a 
What a great matchup this is going to be. Great <laughs> Thursday night football. Um, for all the betters out there, Washington are six-point favorites, and the over-under is at 44 and a half. You guys feeling those lines, or are you going? What's the over-under again? 44 and a half. Mm. I think Bears cover. I think they go over on the score. Uh, you always have to counter it being Thursday, though, mm-hmm. and some sloppy Thursday night action. Guys' body still not recovered fully from Sunday. Yeah, I think Washington, even with Justin Fields still throwing it backwards every <laughs> once in a while, I think I'm going to go with the under on this. Yeah. I, is it is it super degenerate of me and super sick that I'm thinking of having a bye week replacement with Sam Howe this weekend, or do you like that bye week? replacement at quarterback I, I, th- I think sam howell they've got a they got a good record with their three and one yeah. right now so still in the mix sam hasn't been amazing Was but he's Philly done just first enough loss? i thought yes. they lost to somebody already. yes that was their first okay. loss yeah. all right and then also if you want to look at the money lines chicago bears are plus 215 commanders are minus 267 drop it i don't like if i know it it's I don't know if I like how this is heading with you and the gambling, man. We might have to have some talks off air. Not an intervention. He just showed me his daily fantasy props tonight <laughs> for a Thursday night action. Every man the has only five dollars. It's funny you open that up with joking about how no one's going to pay attention to this game except for you because you got like five props on. <laughs> well, it's one prop. Well, yeah. One big prop, five bucks, five players. There you go. Prop yeah. it like it's hot. Oh, I like <laughs> it. it. Okay. Shrop prop. <laughs> yeah, man. Shrop prop. I like yes, that. Sir. Well, when we come back, we close this thing down and talk to Shroppy about his gambling on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. like how we kind of stumbled into a new segment for tomorrow. Shrop <laughs> props. How do we not think of this already? I call it being witty. I'm going to be on the positive side. We're witty. So we came up with a segment on the fly. Um, I, The thing is, I almost view it as a sport, trying to think of variations for Shroppy's nickname. And he can attest to this. Anytime we go into the side studio, he's cutting up audio. I try to think about of a 18 different combinations of his last name. I love it. <laughs> and they all work, too. I like them. Thank his you. name is so easy to lock it in with witty nicknames. And it used to be Coco. And I actually, <laughs> yeah. I liked Coco, okay? Yeah. I think Bone gave you Coco. Yeah, Mac and Bone, yeah. But then Flounder and Fiddy, they said, no, get out of here. They threw it out the club like a bouncer and said, Shroppy is here to stay. And I got to be honest with you. As the even if they are legends in the morning, I, I love me some Shroppy nickname. Yeah, no doubt about it. I liked Coco too, though, but I'm I'm rolling with Shroppy. Love it. We got Shrop it like it's hot. We got Shrop props. I'm excited for Shrop props tomorrow, man. You got some stuff, man. That'll be you know good. What I'm saying maybe one day you have your own show and you can uh, have all kind of cool segment names. Dude, That's the dream, dude. We so I could see Shroppy moving out to Vegas, hosting a show oh, on yeah. ESPN yeah. Vegas. Shrop props from 10 to 12 for all you degenerates <laughs> out there. Yeah. 100%. That seems like your end goal when all of this is Is this delivery, 
you know, we know the Vegas guys, man, when they come with bets, it's like, listen, you got to bet with me yeah. because I got it and the money line and this is where you bet. Look, no, Strappy, do you have do you have that in you? Because you're very laid back. Like, he would be the most laid back uh, handicapper I've ever heard. Lose your, lose your money. I don't care. This is what right. I'm going with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, guys. Uh, Tell me know. if you want. Fade me. <laughs> I don't know. As, yeah, that's Shrappy right there. He but like, yeah, guys. So yeah, I mean, I like this bet. But if you want to do it, it's up to you. Do you have the Vegas Shrop aggression in? Yeah, you? do you have that? Oh, I can. Okay, the yeah. the the aggressive even maybe Shrop the Sharp. God, there's so many. I think that works too. Shrop the Sharp. What are the Sharps doing on this game? Said, listen, this is Shrappy coming at you live from ESPN Vegas on remote. Here we are at the Bellagio. I'm telling yeah. you right yeah. now, okay? You need to get in on this Oregon action. <laughs> They're going to destroy Colorado. <laughs> if you're not with me, you're against me, and you can go to a different bookie. Yeah, he's got the hair. Then I can see the suit coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, man, let's do it. I don't know about the suit in Vegas. It might be burning up out there, but yeah. we'll make it work. We wear the bowling shirts. I'll be shorts. sweating just like I'll be sweating. Sweating my bets, dude. <laughs> well, with all the fat stacks you'll be making, um, uh, you know, you won't be too worried about the Vegas heat. Yeah, I like people writing in some of the, yeah, help us. We want some more production value, please. Text us your Shrop segments, 704-570-9610. Shrop tell you drop. That's something I've rolled with, but I still like it. Cackalack over the Shrop. Uh, Paul said, Shrop, Shrop tell you drop. How about a little Shrop and Spree? We can roll with any of those. <laughs> I like that one. A shopping spree is good. I like good. that, actually. All mm. of those are fantastic. Um, I like all of them. Let's continue to roll with Shropaholic. Rolled with that one before. Uh, Shroppy on the bench. Oh, um, it doesn't have quite the ring to it. No, man, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, yeah. All right. You guys can keep texting that in. 704-570-9610. Ops. Ooh. <laughs> we just a little new school, we're just gonna, old school. We're just going to continue to drop it on you as soon as uh, <laughs> as soon as we think about it in all of uh, all of these different segment ideas. We'll be out at the uh, racetrack tomorrow, by the way. Yes, sir. Yep. Getting ready to uh, talk a little bit more around my way about the Bank of America Roval 400. We've been giving away tickets to that event all week long. So congratulations to anybody that did. We have to get win some, some of those of tickets. Content. What do you want to do? Are you thinking about finding your – because you are one that is going to try to figure out a way for us to get maybe on, I don't know, somewhere in the track. Yeah, we're going to – I'm going to get out there and survey the land, see what opportunities are available, what I can talk us into. Yeah, You guys got to get on the pit lane, though. Yeah, I'm very good at that. It's really cool. That'd be cool. I, oh, go, I was just going to say, <laughs> I once won a media pit crew competition back in the day. I won a sprint phone for being the fastest <laughs> – you got to go explain I did this. the jack. <laughs> I did that one. I you had the, the fastest man. time. Yes. All right. So wait. That's tell cool. Us, tell us how so this So back happened. in the day, if you remember, they used to have a pit crew challenge that was before the all-star race. Mm -hmm. So I was an intern at WBTV then. And so we went out there to it and I did the, the jack competition and I ended up having the fastest time and I won a sprint phone. Who else I, did you go against? You want a phone? Yeah, I actually won a phone. It was huh. pretty dope. Uh, I don't remember everybody that was out there. I thought for a minute because they were talking like they wanted to talk to me, like to try to get me to maybe try out for they the pit crew. They love going after former athletes. Yeah, I thought that's where that direction was going to turn to, but it did not. But I did, like I said, I, I was on Sprint at the time, and I had I got a Sprint phone at the time. It was one of the first kind of TV phones where you could watch TV on it, but yeah. it would last for like two minutes before it <laughs> froze up and then you couldn't watch it anymore but uh yeah i, 
want to know who you competed against because it was other media members, you said? Yeah, it was other media members. This out there, is, so. oh, we need to figure this out. <laughs> this is what I want to know. So my old colleague, I remember Molly was out there. And did you ever do the racing the buses thing? Do you remember no, that media but competition? I do, yeah, I do, I do think uh, I remember that. Molly flipped it over one time. <laughs> wow. Yes. And see. she was okay. But everybody was scared because you flip a bus over. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite the bus driver. I guess freak out? Hell yeah. She freaked out. Yeah. She said it was scary, which how could it not be? Yeah, I bet. I mean, and plus those things, it seems like a bad idea to say, hey, media members who maybe haven't driven a bus in their entire life, probably have not driven a bus in their entire life. Let's go ahead and put you on the track and drive buses while racing them. Mm. Probably not the smartest idea in the world. Yeah. I wonder what other media competitions are out there <laughs> because like there's media five on fives. I feel like you play some basketball. I think the Hornets used to do that. I knew there used to be media softball games. The Knights have done that a couple of times. Kyle Bailey's done that. I wish we could do a two on two or three on three, but definitely two on two. I think we were wrecked shop. Well, and speaking of Kyle doing media competitions, I feel like he was really close to making a putt one time. I think it was for the yeah. Joe Moss Celebrity yeah. uh, mm. Joe Moss uh, Foundation. Fa- thank you. Yeah. Yes, Joe Moss Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. And they had a putt-putt competition. Or not putt-putt, but longest putt. There yeah. you go. Thank you. Wasn't I couldn't he get it paired out. with Greg Olson on that? I, I think he like tied with him. We, you know, Kyle can tell you yeah. he's listening when he hops on. But yes, I think it was very close. And he was pretty frustrated. The competitiveness and Kyle came out that day because he was so close mm. but eventually i think wesley walls is the one that won so it's okay to lose oh, to double an dub. <laughs> it's okay to lose to a panthers hall, uh, ring of honor yeah man so i'm gonna see what, what what we can do i was just saying the other day man i still want to do one of those driving schools where you can get in a car with the driver and they take you around when i was a ymca camp counselor once upon a time we did a lap on charlotte motor speedway in the van that we took the kids on the uh, field trips on, and that was pretty eventful. Just going in a sounds like it a, a van. <laughs> <laughs> I like Wes's. I used to work at Blank. Yeah, man. <laughs> that embankment is no joke. No, Those, it's not. No. All right, that'll do it for Wes and Walker living down memory lane, going through Wes's old jobs, media competitions. Yeah, man. A hype jack a man winning a sprint phone. I did. It's a great dismount for Wes and Walker. Too, All right, we'll hand off the baton to the Kyle Bailey Show. He'll be alongside Smoke Ludwig. They're coming up next at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.